You're right over there. It is Cattles and Robbie on Sacktown Sports. I'm the Robbie half of that, the Cattles half of that. Fighting with his chair, getting the headphones on. All right, I'm going to send a memo to the building. You ready for today's memo? What happened now? Today's memo is to the uh, traffic crew. Locally locally and corporate-wide. What happened? Uh, end of our breaks, could, so could we upset. lengthen them a little bit? I, I, I could take an extra 60 seconds to 90 seconds. I, I would appreciate it. Even with my headline? Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would like uh, an extra 60 to 90. That 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 work out really well. Can I ask you something? Uh, you can ask me anything, Rami. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way. It's fine. I don't have to right. answer I'm it. I'm not blaming you. Yeah. Okay. So, it sounds like you're going to blame me. Go ahead. It did look like you kind of forgot. About your headphones and your mic cover to no. the last second. Like you were all set and then you looked around, you were like, Oh, I don't have my mic cover in my head and you and you walked no, to your back. Not what happened. Okay. All right. That was my no. observation. I could have been mistaken. I would I would admit that if okay. that was the case. All right. That was not the case. Okay. I, I, I have this down. Okay. I was just asking. I know. That was how I read the situation. And I'm just answering. And I I, I, I uh I have this down to a science. Okay. Ron. All right. Why do we have seven pounds of trail mix in the studio? Dude, that is so much trail mix. <laughs> I'm going to lift up the bags of trail mix, and I want I want everybody oh, no. to hear. You're going to spill everything. No, no, no. I want bag. everybody to hear. This is me just lifting up the bag, okay? Who the hell needs that much trail mix? I'm lifting up the bag as we speak, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to drop it on the counter. This is not a dead body. This is trail mix for Dave. You ready? On the count of three, we all have to be silent so the people can hear. Put the mic closer to the console or put it. Uh, well, Rami, I can't do it, okay? okay. I'm going to have to wipe down everything. Can you just let me do what I do? My God. I'm, I'm going to about... throw this thing at you. I'm just concerned about right, production. Here we go. You ready? Yeah, go ready? ahead. This yeah. is. This is... <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> you hear it? The mic didn't even need to be close. The console literally shook when that thing hit. Who needs that much trail mix? Who on earth? <laughs> okay. Look like you're going camping. For, For the a next year. seven weeks. For a year, yeah. We have What's... seven pounds of trail mix. I mean, there is variety, though. You know, you got to give them that. There is your classic trail mix. And then you got What's the tropical. Yeah, that's the tropical. That's got dried fruit in it. Dried fruit is dense. You know what I mean? There's... That's better. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think it's going to be pieces by the time Dave gets in here tomorrow and reaches his giant hand inside. Carl Michael Dave's pantry, everybody. Glad, uh, glad we can store his food for him. I bring snacks, but I don't store them here, you know? I have thought about bringing, uh, like, buying a Keurig coffee machine. Oh yeah, and just keeping it. You'd be a hero here in the studio. No, I don't drink coffee, but I, I would imagine you'd be a hero for others. It's like that a cheapy, you know, you can get like a, like a cheap one for like fifty bucks. Wish I knew that before I went shopping Christmas twice for Kelly. <laughs> she wanted the Keurig, just the old model. Wish I know? knew there were cheapies. Get on the Amazon, get the old model. Hey everybody, how you doing on this Tuesday? He's Rami. I'm Cattle Sacktown Sports. Glad you're with us as always. Uh, let's start with the Kings. We haven't done this in a while. We'll start with the Kings. We'll start with uh, Sasha Vizankov, Rami. You know, early feelings, vibes, reports were that Vizankov was pretty much on his way to Sacramento. I was feeling pretty good about it. I think all of us were. Yes. I, I believe that it was Sean Cunningham several weeks ago who said it was about 90%. He was he was like 90% confident that Vizankov would be a king. 
And then we had the loss in the Euro League, and we wondered would that impact Vazenkov's decision, or would it come down to money? Well, now we have this from Donantis Urbonis and Augustus Suliovskis on the Urbonis podcast. Good job. Vazenkov, at first, it was almost clear that he's for sure done with Olympiakos. But for instance, in the recent days, I heard that the situation is changing a little bit, and it's not clear yet if he's really going there because it takes a lot of different questions for instance his nba buyout uh his potential salary in the nba if he's not in getting if he's not getting like i don't know uh four or five million net in the nba which means almost 10 million, 10 million contract uh basically for him this is not the best business decision to to go overseas because also we have to pay the 1.5 million buyout okay and be team uh, covers half of it, but then you have to pay from your own pocket. So it it might be difficult for him to, to go over there because Sacramento also, they have to do and plan their off-season moves and then to check the salary cap for potential Vazenkov's contract. All right, so when we talked about Vazenkov with our prior discussions, Rami, we figured $5 million, $6 million would likely Let's do it. Mic check. check early on, mm-hmm. uh, not effective for you. Hearing my throat while we so were listening to those guys. We thought five, six million dollars, and instead we're likely looking at around ten million. Now I know there's been some pushback uh, in some places saying, "Oh, ten million dollars, really?" He, he said, "You know, he needs to net five million." And this is where I remind people, and I'm not feeling bad for professional athletes financially. Okay, they all make more money than we do. We understand that, but. We have to remember that they get gouged, Rami. Like, when you see a player sign for, like, a $10 million deal, he's not going to bring in $10 million. He's going to get taxed like crazy. He's got to pay his agent. If he has his marketing team and other people involved, he's got to pay those people too. So if Vazenkov wants to net about $5 million, and if you include that buyout as well, you're looking at $10, $11 million that the Kings would have to pay him. You're... A better salary cap guy by far than I am. My eyes just roll up in my head when people start going through all the salary cap mechanics. That's that's the whole mid level exception, is it not? Pretty much. I think I think I read twelve million was yeah. what they had in yeah. mid level exception money. Yeah. That's it. That's all of it, pretty much, is to bring Vizankov over. I and I know we're going to talk about it later, Nick, but I, whether or not we would be willing to do that, I just don't know if the, if the Kings would be willing to do that. And I'm not feeling nearly as good about this thing as I was, well, when I woke up this morning before I heard those guys whose names you've pronounced very, very, very nicely. I try. Yes, but I don't I don't know, man. I'm not feeling so great about it after hearing what, what, what they just had to say. And those, I have to assume... I don't know if I'm just giving the accents too much credit. I have to assume that these guys are are looped in, tied in, know what they're talking about when they talk about Vizankov and and what it would take to get him over here. I don't know, man. I was I was really optimistic about it and feeling pretty good about things till I heard that. It, it all really depends, first and foremost, on what Monty McNair sees in Vizankov and if he believes he's a ten million dollar guy. Uh, if he believes he's a $6 million guy, $5 million guy, then this is going to be a very, very difficult negotiation to handle for Monty and company. And, and I would like to say, you know, first and foremost, when, when I heard this, this could be Vizankov just trying to use as much leverage as he has, right? All right, you guys have my rights. You want to bring me over. I know you want to bring me over. 
but I'm not going to go to Sacramento unless you pay me $10, $11 million per year. That's my worth. If you think I'm worth five or six million, I've got news for you. I'm worth ten million. And maybe he's trying to leverage Monty into giving a little bit more money than Monty wants to give him. But besides that, that that leverage tactic, if that's what it is, this is not a done deal. And I think for all of us, we were kind of taking this for granted, which was a mistake by us and a mistake by everybody else. We should not take this for granted. This is a difficult move. This is a guy who's moving from Europe, he'd be moving to the United States leaving, you know, family and friends and all of that stuff. And that move is not always an easy one. So first, you got to think about his life and personally, whether or not this guy wants to uproot that life to be in the U.S. for eight, nine, ten months at a time. He might not want to. It might not have to do with anything regarding money. He just might not want to come over, right? So that's the first thing. And then you have the money and how much he's going to want and how much Monty wants to give. And then I think you've got the role. This is a guy, let's not forget, Rami. This is the team leader. This is the dude, right? He's the guy that in the EuroLeague Championship, he is A1, the dude that's getting the basketball. They're working off of him. And so is he comfortable with this idea of not only uprooting his family and friends and whatever else he's going to do, uproot his life to move to Sacramento? Maybe he wants a little bit more money. But on top of that, if he's not making as much money as he wants to, and if he has to uproot his life, which he's going to have to to make the move, does he want a bigger role? And that is also a question with all of this. Is he okay if Mike Brown says, hey, man, you're a seventh or eighth guy off the bench? Is he cool with that? I think, and we talked, who was it? Was it Brendan Nunes? Somebody wrote the piece uh, last week that we talked about where they talked about the fit and how many open threes he could get. If he playing with the Kings and and his off ball movement and Domas and Fox and all the shots that they would open up for him, I I gotta believe Nick at least at least in first coming over and looking at what other European players did when when they came over from the states and not counting you know the Lucas of the world and guys that came with that kind of cachet and track yeah. record where yeah. it was like oh he's he's basically a top top three top five pick coming over here and you expect him to do big things right away. I think you could you could you could paint a picture of a big enough role for him basketball wise to be a part of this team and grow from there. You know what I mean? He's an athlete, he's a competitor, he's always gonna want to keep getting better and, and want his role to grow. To me, this this comes down to the two the other two things that you mentioned, which is one lifestyle and I don't know Sasha Vizankov Neither do you and and different people are going to be more or less willing to uproot their lives and make the type of move that we're talking about here. But, man, when when we talk about the money and what we heard right there of him wanting to net four or five million dollars. And when you look at the realities of that and what it would mean for the Kings, how much it would strap them when you talk about the possibility of, of making other moves and wanting to add Vizankov and maybe one or two other guys, if not, if not more, in free agency or via trades. That's, that, it, it makes the, the puzzle more difficult to put together if he's eating that big a piece of, of your salary cap pie. I, just, I, I didn't think it would take that much to bring him over, and it's, and it's got me wondering now if he's coming over. All right, we want your thoughts. Are you a little bit more pessimistic about this possible Vizenkov deal now that the uh, Urbonus podcast says – He's looking to gross five or six million dollars from this move, which means you're paying him ten to eleven million. 
Are you less confident in this getting done? 916-339-1140 is the text line. The phone number is 1-800-920-1140. You can check us out, youtube.com, Sacktown Sports, 1140. Thumbs up means an awful lot to us. Every single like that we get means a ton. Again, youtube.com, Sacktown Sports, 1140. Please give us that like. Also, you can check us out online at sacktownsports.com. We'll get to some of your reaction on Vizankov. Also, in 90 seconds, we'll discuss the not surprising yet disgusting news that shook a sport today. Cattles and Robbie. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports. A not surprising yet disgusting story in the world of sports today. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But first, some of your reaction to Sasha Vizankov reportedly wanting to net five, six million dollars on his move here to the United States, which means for all intents and purposes. The Kings would have to pay him about $10, $11 million per year to make that happen, which is more money than we had talked about. We had discussed maybe $5 million, $6 million. Now we're talking about possibly doubling that. Uh, Jack G says, I call BS typical negotiation tactic. You have to set the bar high, then negotiate from there. Maybe, maybe Jack G. But, you know, I said this could be a leverage play by Vizankov. He could be trying to soak every dime out of the you know Kings, and, and maybe that's what he's trying to do here. But you have to imagine that they've had plenty of conversations, right? Just because he's been overseas doesn't mean they haven't been talking. And if they've I mean, been, the Kings have been so- sending delegates yeah. over there to watch him play and, and talk to him since the season ended. A bunch of people have gone over to watch him play, uh, I'm sure have discussed things with him. So we'll see. We'll see if it's just simple leverage or he is tied, he is committed, he is to, he is married to this number of $10 million to gross, uh, as far as gross goes, to net that 5 to $6 million. Scooter 916, Kings don't need more offense with less defense, which is what Sasha brings. For $10 million, they can get one or two players with a better defensive-minded game. We'll get into the whole $10 million and whether or not Rami and I would spend it on Sasha, but that's absolutely, as Scooter 916 points out, at least a part of this thinking. You want to improve defensively. Well, Sasha is unlikely to be that guy. I don't want to tell you he's going to be terrible. I don't know if he's going to be terrible defensively. He might be able to be okay. You know, Brendan Nunez wrote about him last week and said he thinks he has enough mobility and agility to at least cover the pick and roll and not be an all-out fail. We'll see. You know, some guys that come over from Europe, they don't have that foot speed. They don't have that athleticism that you see here in the States, and that bites them a little bit. So I would not bet on him being a strong defensive addition. That's for sure. I don't know what to believe when you talk about the physicality of European basketball because you hear it's not as physical, but everybody who's watched it, has played in it, they will swear up and down that that it's more physical than we give credit for here in the States and and will push back on that narrative. But we'll see. You you never know how a guy is going to translate until he gets here. So. We'll see, but $10 million, that's that's a big asking price, and he's going to have to contribute quite a bit because, like I said, Nick, the puzzle gets a little harder to put together if he's eating up $10 million of your salary cap. Nick Town in the YouTube chat, we already missed Luca. Don't do it again with Sasha. Uh, I do not want to compare in any way Sasha Vizankov to Luka Doncic. No? No. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Nick Town is, is doing that, but when we mention the name Luka... That's dangerous territory. Let's look at Sasha as Sasha and Sasha only. Let's let's not get too far here. All right, we'll uh, continue with your thoughts on Vizankov and the Kings, but we wanted to get to the uh, big story of the day here in sports. Not surprising, totally disgusting. 
uh, PGA, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and Live Golf have agreed to join forces. That's right. They're all getting together. One big happy family. Uh, Mark Sklobach of uh, ESPN wrote this uh, today. PGA, DP, Live Golf have been embroiled in a bitter legal battle for more than a year, have agreed to unify and move forward in a larger commercial business. The tour is called the Stunning Development, quote, a landmark agreement on a global basis, unquote. The deal between the tours and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, the PIF, was reached without the knowledge of many PGA Tour members and live golf players and agents. How about that? Surprise, uh, said one PGA Tour player reached by ESPN on Tuesday, no bleeping way. Here's PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan on CNBC earlier today. Listen, a lot of people have been reading about the tension. Um, and that we've talked a lot. Um, and I said previously that we were going down our path. They were going down theirs. And today, that tension goes away. The litigation is dropped. We're announcing to the world that on behalf of this game, we're coming together. And it's, it's less about how people respond today, and it's all about how people respond in 10 years. And when they see the impact that we're having on this game together, there will be a lot of smiles on people's faces, and there will be a lot more people playing this game all over the world. And if you're a young player that wants to get to the highest level of the game today, you'll be more inspired than you've ever been before. I see people saying they're shocked by this. They're, they're stunned, as, as Slobach wrote. Uh, we're stunned. We're shocked that a corporation, for all intents and purposes, picked money over principle. We're, we're shocked by that. Have we not seen this movie over and over and again in our world? I think Simone was shocked by the news this morning. And I mean, it just hit me out of nowhere. But I, I No, I'm jealous because I remember being so young that I didn't realize how greedy and shameless the most wealthy among <laughs> us are. You know what I mean? I remember, I remember being that young and not, uh, not understanding that the greed and shame, well, shamelessness has no end when you talk about entities like this. Complete 180 on their, you know, yeah. their old disposition on the matter. And I I'm chuckled. Just, I chuckled yeah. because I've been I've been saying all along, like, like you're when when they were crying blood money about <laughs> live golf. I was like, yeah, but. You don't care. <laughs> like, you've gotten into bed with awful, awful people and organizations in the past for a buck. You, the, the whole blood money thing was just to, like, tarnish Live Golf. Right. And that, that was their tactic to try and take it down and make it go away. They didn't care. that they, ha- they have no morals. They have no ethics where they, they're somehow above Live Golf. And now this just shows, like... The, what is it? The Saudi Investment Fund? Yes. They just made them an offer they can't refuse with all that blood money that the PGA kept on talking about with, that that was funding Live Golf. And they were happy to take it. And they've been happy to take questionable dollars in the past. It's just This just shows you who the PGA Tour was, if you didn't know before. BW says, uh, why disgusting? And Dwayne Baker says, it's not disgusting or shocking. Sports is like politics. Follow the money. Uh, look, here's the thing. I'll tell you how it's disgusting in many different ways. And Rami touched on it a little bit there with the whole blood money thing, and, and that's obviously a big portion of this. But what also was disgusting is what the PGA did to their golfers with this thing. Mm-hmm. First of all, they told them, hey, stand by us. Don't, right. don't go to live golf. Stand by us. And you had a bunch of golfers 
stand by publicly and privately, stand by the PGA out of principle and out of other things, but they stood by the PGA, and the PGA circles back now and chops them off at the knees and says, oh, well, you know what? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna actually combine our wealth right. with Live Golf. And, you know, yeah, you guys stood by us, thanks, but uh, we're going in a different direction. And all those people who already defected, who are going to now get money on top of money, I'm just, I'm sick. So you have you have the PGA part of this and the golfers, right? The golfer side of this. And they say that they're going to, quote unquote, fine live golfers who left the PGA. I don't know how much this fine is going to be. But the truly disgusting part of this, because Rami gave you the broad stroke, I'm going to give you the specifics here. The PGA used 9-11 last year within their reasoning as to why they weren't going to be involved with live golf. Morons. They used the deaths of thousands of Americans. They used 9-11 as this building block as to why the PGA was better than Live Golf. And Jay Monahan himself publicly stated multiple times, oh, well, you know, 9-11, we can't forget those families and we can't. And then a year later, you take the money. And what you have done is you have disrespected 9-11, the people who have passed in 9-11, and disrespected all of us who remember 9-11 in the way that we do. I mean, it was disrespectful from the beginning because they, they never meant it. But this just, again, this just makes it transparent that they never meant it and they never cared where the money was coming from. They just saw a threat and they saw, and, and their tactic to try and kill said threat was to make them seem immoral or unethical. That that's all it was all along was just a tactic. Yep. They are just as immoral and just as unethical as as anybody involved. The golfers, the funders, the the the, the people the people up top, as they say, the the PGA was never above any of this. And here's ever. the thing: they they don't care. No, they're never going to care because the fans are not going to boycott. Simone's angry today. Three months from now, she might be watching Tiger Woods if he comes back healthy. Six months from now, whenever he comes back. That's the truth. You can get all worked up about it, but the vast majority of the fans are going to be there for the next major. And that's what Monahan basically said in that soundbite that we just heard. He said it's not about how people are reacting today. today. Yeah, It's about the fact that y'all be back. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's essentially what you're saying. That's what matters to me. You'll be back, and so will your dollars, you're, and so will the advertising dollars that come with you. You're angry, but you'll get over exactly. It. And you'll you might not forget, but you'll forgive me for bringing up nine eleven, and you'll forgive us for taking this money, and you'll be there watching, and you'll be there paying for the tickets, and showing up at Augusta with all of your cute green Augusta hats and <laughs> tweeting about it. That's what you're going to do. Do you think that Brooks Kepka sent this over the edge with his Oak Hill win? And like really No, I I think this was inevitable. I think they've been working impending. on this for a while. Okay. By the way, that show on Netflix, I haven't watched it. I don't full know if swing. any of you guys have I full love swing. it. They tweeted out they they had their cameras rolling I know. when this news broke I and, and the that. golfers were finding out about it in real yep. time. We're we're gonna we're gonna see some stuff. Can't I might have wait. to watch season two of Full Swing. Yeah, you don't uh, <laughs> you don't randomly 
just put this agreement to paper over like 24, 48 hours. No, this thing's been, been in the works on forever. For while they've been probably throwing, as soon as the lawsuits were, were were put together. Yeah, while they've been throwing haymakers at each other, they've been negotiating guys, in the back. Do you guys believe that Tiger Woods said that he didn't know that this was coming today? Do you believe that? Uh, we'll we'll Maybe. answer that in a little bit because we got to run here. What does a Raiders uh, insider write? We'll continue thoughts on the PGA and also talk about this Raiders insider. Uh, what did he write that should make every fan nervous? Find out next. So before we get to uh, Jimmy G and what a uh, Vegas Raiders insider slash beat writer shared with us about Jimmy G, some thoughts. I know, uh, Simone, you had a question as we were heading towards the uh, the break there. Yes. So if you'd like to reset it, we were talking about the PGA and, and Live Golf uh, getting in bed together, even though PGA Tour came out last year and uh, Commissioner Jay Monahan was very heavy-handed towards Live golf and mention nine eleven and uh, you know they would they would never do this they yes would, they would never take that money they would they would not tie themselves to the Saudi fund that just keeps funneling money into organizations and sports leagues and all of that so Simone what was the question I was just curious on your guys' thoughts about uh, the potential Tiger Woods of it all did he know about this impending partnership or not. Based on that article you were reading from, Nick, I read it this morning, the overwhelming reaction seems to be surprised that this was happening behind closed doors and the golfers themselves, at least the majority of them, if not the vast majority of them, were under the same impression that we were, that this thing was was an ugly fight between the two entities and, and there wasn't really any common ground to be found, at least not anytime close. Everybody seemed to be surprised from golfers to agents to uh, journalists in, in the golf world. Everybody seems to be surprised by this. But by, by and Nick, not necessarily that it happened because I'm right there with you. I think people are surprised by how quickly this happened, by the by how how fast they did that 180 and now are in bed with, with Live Golf after the way that they've handled this till now. All right, let's jump to uh, some football. We got the Jimmy G dilemma that we've talked about, obviously, this idea that he could not pass his physical before signing the contract with the Raiders and that they have conditions, what is it, addendum G or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and uh, some conditions that he has to pass a physical before he actually gets paid and plays, which... Is not too surprising. I would like my players to pass physicals as well. And we wonder what, what Jimmy G's future is all about. We had Mike Sando from The Athletic on the show recently, and here's what Mike had to say about Jimmy G's future in Vegas. I, I think he's going to play for them. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think this is like a career-ending injury or something, but I do feel like they probably got less talent at the quarterback position this offseason when you look at, you know, having Carr and Sidham going to – Jimmy G coming off injury and Brian Hoyer, I mean, you, you'd probably take the, what was behind door number one most of the time. Right. So, you know, I think Garoppolo serves a specific purpose for them in, in that they're rolling with Josh McDaniels and he wants to do things a certain way that not everybody, that isn't the easy way. And so you bring in somebody who's going to kind of be an ambassador for that. I think that's what the Jimmy Garoppolo signing is. Some folks have expressed. So there's uh, Sando's thoughts on Jimmy G saying, hey, you know, he's optimistic. He, he's going to play. Believes he's going to play. Uh, Paul Gutierrez, meanwhile, ESPN, ended up writing about Jimmy G recently in the Raiders and said there's a possibility he never plays for Vegas. 
So I just want to go off of that premise, Rami. What if Jimmy G never plays a single snap for Vegas? Um, tank? You got to yes. tank, right? Yes. That's exactly what you got to do. Yes, you, yes, yes, yes. You this this season is Give over. Give it up. Wave this, the white flag. Yeah, this season is a wrap. If Throw Jimmy, the towel in. Dude, I I have Nick, we went through the after the schedules came out and we did the old win-loss thing. Yeah. I think I gave him five wins, six wins on the season. That was with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. We're talking about Brian Hoyer. Or who's the fourth round pick? What's his name? Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell is is potentially your starting quarterback. Or you could go into the free agent market and take a shot on a, a Matt Ryan or a Carson Wentz. Man, this this is it's a wrap if if Jimmy G can't play and, and they end up exercising addendum G in his contract and waiving it entirely, which I said this when we learned about the the addendum, Nick, wouldn't be there if they didn't think that was a possibility. Would not be there. I would be tanking if I'm them. Yes. I, I would 100% be in the tank. Look. Start looking at next year's draft board and exactly. where, who are the quarterbacks. You need QB1. You need a solution. And next year's class is very top-heavy, three or four guys that a lot of people believe are going to be you know, fantastic NFL quarterbacks, or at least very good NFL quarterbacks, you have to start the plan. And I know that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler might be upset, and and they might be stubborn, and they might not want to reset this whole thing, but that's what I would be doing if Jimmy G can't get on the field. Again, that's the premise off of Paul Gutierrez. If Jimmy G can't get on the field, I'm tanking. Tank City, USA. The unfortunate part is, you're just wasting away your premium talent. Devontae Adams, another wasted year. Max Crosby, another wasted year. Oh, I'm immediately picking up the phone and seeing what I can get for these guys because it's a total teardown, tank, rebuild. See, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you can do that. Their egos I mean, are you, probably too big to do that, but mm. that's that's what I'd be doing. I think you can do it. Of course, you could obviously pick up the phone and try to trade those guys. I don't know if Mark Davis would be excited about that. I, I don't know that, you know, you'd be giving carte blanche to just blow it up. I don't think you have to blow it up this year. I think you just, you're not going to be good enough without Jimmy G anyway, so just tank your way to the end of the season and hope that you have a top three or four pick in the draft next year. That That's what I'm looking at. But it's, you know, Crosby and Adams are going to be, I'd imagine, very frustrated if this team is not as good as Ziggler and McDaniels think it's going to be. And heading into next offseason, you want to talk about pressure. That pressure would be squarely on Ziggler and McDaniels. Walking into year three, and if you had a worse year in year two than year one, then you are desperate to be better in year three because if you're not, you're gone. So it's Vegas could get very, very messy quickly if, if it's I'm not Mark messy Davis, enough I'm already. Looking at the, if, and he can't play? I'm looking at these guys like that's that's the basket we put all our eggs in? Again, the timing is difficult, though, you know, because you have to have these conversations. You have to verbally agree to things. I would imagine that they had some kind of records from the Niners or spoke to people with the Niners. So, you know, there is only so much you can do in the specific window that you have to do it. So some of this is just terrible luck. Now, the other part of it is, well, Jimmy G has the injury history, so if it wasn't going to happen at the physical, it was going to happen eventually. You could argue that, and you'd have a point. I don't think either of us or any of us on this show thought, yeah, good decision to bring Jimmy G in. I don't no. think any of us were jumping up and down about that. It was a bad that. decision not knowing about the broken foot. 
All right. Did we just get the definitive answer as to the existence of U.S.? All guests come to you from the uh, Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. Uh, we got some UFO and aliens news, Rami. Yes, we do. We feel like we have to talk about this. We must. It's our duty some in the media. might not be paying attention to this. They might be overlooking this. This is the biggest story in the world right now. This is gigantic. And it's not even trending on Twitter, much less being talked about on news. Well, I mean, trending on Twitter is a whole pretty much made-up thing at this point. Uh, so let's let's fill you in on the latest here. Because we have talked about aliens, we've talked about UFOs on prior shows throughout the last year or so here. And uh, this one, to me, is the most significant story to come out probably ever. So this is from The Debrief. A former intelligence official turned whistleblower has given Congress and the intelligence community inspector general extensive classified info about deeply covert programs that he says possess retrieved intact and partially intact craft what of non-human origin what the information he says has been illegally withheld from congress and he filed a complaint alleging that he suffered illegal retaliation for his confidential disclosures other intelligence officials both active and retired with knowledge of these programs through their work in various agencies have independently provided similar corroborating information, both on and off the record. Now, the whistleblower, his name is David Grush, and uh, he actually sat down. This guy actually sat down with News Nation for an interview about all of this. Here it is. When you say crash retrieval, what do you mean? Uh, these are retrieving non-human origin uh, technical vehicles, you know, call it spacecraft, if you will. Uh, it's probably not the right parlance, but uh, no kidding, non-human, exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. We have spacecraft from another species. We do, yeah. How many? Quite a number. Quite a number? <laughs> This guy is telling us we've got What does that even mean, UFOs. quite a number? And why isn't everyone in the world talking about this right now, Nick Cattles? Very unsettling. Quite I a number? <laughs> quite a number? Excuse me, man? What? That's all relative. Uh, five could be quite a number. Ten could be. 150 could be yeah, quite a number. of course, it's subjective, but it's still alarming. I wish the guy would have given us a little bit more detail as Give far as how ballpark. many we might have. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Give me something. Somewhere within a, a couple of dozen or so. Exactly. Oh, I hope we don't have a couple dozen. If he said a few dozen, I'd be like, oh, okay, at least it's a number, quite a number. What does that even mean, bro? It, it sounds like it's almost, I don't know, immeasurable. Like there's many Again, like too many to count? This is a former intelligence official <laughs> who has given Congress and the intelligence community inspector general extensive classified information about deeply covert yeah, programs. Yeah, this isn't some, some, you know, some rando in the middle of nowhere saying they were they were abducted no. and probed in the middle of the night. This, this, this is, isn't Jimmy in Des Moines. This, yeah, this like, is yeah, a legit came on down dude. And picked me up. Yeah, no, this is legit. This is a real dude. They this, probed me. This guy's got credentials. Yes. And uh, so the debrief has this other nugget from the story that I feel is uh, very, very important as well. 
an unclassified version, so an unclassified version of the complaint provided to the debrief, states that Grush has direct knowledge that UAP-related classified information has been withheld and or concealed from Congress by, quote-unquote, elements of the intelligence community to, quote, purposely and intentionally thwart legitimate congressional oversight of the UAP program, unquote. All testimony that Grush provided for the classified complaint was provided under oath. Mm -hmm. Under oath. This dude ain't messing around. That's real. This dude went under oath and said, yeah, we got UFOs. We got them. Of non-human origin. Yeah, well, I just figured that was... No, because unidentified... Remember after the the balloon, the Russian balloon, all kinds of UFOs were being shot down? Yeah, but it was a balloon. But I know, I know. But they were they were shooting down a bunch of UFOs, and we found out that this was just stuff. Like these are like amateur made aircraft that people are just flying out there, and they're considered unidentified flying objects. This is the first time we've heard UFOs of non-human origin. That that's specifically saying this thing is not of Earth. It is not of us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just figured that UFOs are UFOs. No, UFOs. U- U- UFOs be- do things that. That uh, we don't expect. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Just things we can't identify. Yeah, when I say UFO, I'm talking about things that do freaky stuff, okay? We're talking about, like, not things that humans would build. But I digress. Under oath, under oath, he's telling us that we got aliens. That we got aliens doing stuff. I just... And they're just keeping this from us? How do they even keep this from us? Because, Nick... This has been my pushback. They don't want to freak people no, out, No, 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 but th- this has been my pushback on whether or not we... It's the last thing we need as a people right now. Whether <laughs> We're all screwed up enough. We don't need a bunch of people on Twitter running around freaking oh, no. out and Facebook posts about, like, no, we don't... That's my point exactly. My pushback on whether or not we've been visited is how has nobody... We're all walking around with high-def cameras in our pockets recording everything we see and do. Nobody has caught not one, like, clear image of these UFOs of non-human origin or of these species of non-human origin, intelligent species of non-human... How has nobody caught this clearly? Because you see the grainy videos and stuff like that. But now I'm just wondering what's happened to all the people who have caught this on video. Is this a Men in in Black situation where they have the old... Memory zapper? Are they just well? Here's are the they thing. just erasing these people? Like, what is happening? How is this even possible? It's not like you can set up shop and try to record these things, right? It's not like oh, the abominable snowman could be in this mountain range, so I'm gonna sit there and park my tukus for five days and see if I can get a, a camera shot of that thing. I've met a couple of those guys before. So, like, when you look at when you look at this story, like. There's no, it's not predictable. You but don't I'm know just, where they're going to be, when they're going to be but at. Everybody's always got a camera. They're obviously fast. Like, somebody had a gender reveal party. Yeah, but they caught a UFO. So there's been, yeah, but there's been, so there's been plenty of video. You just don't like the video. Yeah, it's, it's not, not good enough for you. So never, I don't know what to tell you at that point. There's never been something clear. Because the never UFO's not clear. in their driveway, Rami. It's it's miles away. I feel like we would have seen it. I feel like we would have gotten clear footage you by now this, of something. You, you want these people to have, like, the professional camera ready that they can zoom in and take a perfect no, everything high-def shot. everything is caught on camera. Yeah, like, why everything is it is only on at camera. night so, so grainy? Been? 
UFOs have been caught on camera. You just don't not like the like quality of the camera. The day. But not a clear shot. Yeah. We haven't seen Again. clear footage. Yes, that's what I just said. <laughs> so you don't know what you, you're saying. I'm saying you don't like the quality of the yes. video that we have. Because we have clear video of everything that happens everywhere. John Morant is flashing guns, and every time it happens, somehow it's on Instagram. Nobody's got okay, a clear not, shot not, of an alien or a UFO of non-human origin. What are you failing to pick up that I'm putting down What are here? you failing to pick up it's that I'm putting down of here? away, Rami. The no, Rick- they've landed. We have the, the aircraft. But we we have them. We don't know where they landed. We have no idea. My point is somebody somewhere would have gotten it because we always have cameras out. Everybody's always got cameras out. That's my point. If they've been close enough to land or to crash, Not if it's somebody some would have caught desert it. Somewhere. Am I the only one who feels this way? What if it falls into the ocean? I feel like we- I'm taking crazy pills right but now. But we have no idea where these things landed. We have no idea where they were found. We have no clue. They were found where we could retrieve them. It's not like they fell into Midtown. Oh, UFO hit Midtown. Then everybody would have a phone out. fell where we could retrieve them. I'm just saying. Well, don't you think the aliens, I don't know, I'm just guessing here, okay? Since since we're down this road. (laughs) Couldn't you imagine a scenario where they're like, okay, we're going down. We're going to go into the water. Instead of trying to, like, land into, like, a public area. Possibly. But if it's a crash landing, you don't always necessarily have that option. Although I don't know what their technology is. I was going to say, how do yeah. you know? I think Sorry. in War of the Worlds, they were, things? weren't they allergic to water in War of the Worlds? They were, and in uh, Signs. Oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Our whole planet is made of it, but... I'm sorry, I shouldn't have raised my okay. voice. It's fine. It worked off. That was incredible. I was laughing quite a bit back here. I got an ab workout. You're asking a question. I'm trying to answer it. You don't like my answer. I don't know what to tell you. I don't so, think you're hearing my question. J- just for I don't think you're hearing my answer. <laughs> just to make sure that we have this in there, Nick, you're saying that the the UFO, the unidentified object, whatever we want to call it, the spaceship, the shuttle, whatever, is so far away that we can't get a good visual on it. Or yeah, what I'm saying they're is coming in from a different. If you took a picture of a plane, of a Southwest Airlines plane, oh, yeah. I think you get a clear picture of a plane. Okay. That's 30,000 feet. What if this is 50,000 feet, 60,000? We don't know. But my point is, if and they've retrieved also, it. Hold on, Rami. Let me hear Nick. Go okay, on, you're Rami, right. Go ahead. Go. Hold on. I know what you're saying. You're talking about if they retrieved it. Are you saying that you want one of these people that are an intelligence officer to leak a photo that's like like a guy sitting in like the saying, driver's seat of this thing? Like, hey. I'm saying somebody. <laughs> some, we want I'm a say, Facebook post to some dude like, I'm, hey, this is what I got in my, in my, in my shop. I'm saying somebody's somewhere in the vicinity would in all likelihood have a camera out and get a picture or a video of it going down or when it is down on the ground. We've never seen that. Again, but you're taking it for granted of where these things have gone down. We don't know. Mm. I don't know. Like my well, my point was, if it fall if it if it crashes in Midtown, we're all going to see it, right? It's all obvious. We all saw My so, luck it would be like in my building, right? <laughs> so you either believe this or you don't because I believe we are Possib- we are possibly not alone in the universe. I don't know if we've been visited. That's the only thing I've ever doubted, and, but it, it appears maybe we have. And the number one thing that makes me wonder if we've been visited I would also imagine is that my these... point that we've never seen clear video or pictures of these beings or uh, I would also I would also have to imagine that as if you've read this stuff, um, from everything I've read, they're very, 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 very fast. So, again, it, it's not – that's my whole – abominable snowman example 
Like, you could go to a mountain range and sit there, and if it's an abominable snowman, yeah. it's going to go walk on by Vince McMahon style, waving its arms. You're going to take a picture of that, and bam, you got it done. I'm, I'm kind of picking up what you're putting down, Nick. Unless you're once. just looking at the sky for five days straight, waiting for a UFO. Now, your point is if it crashes. I get that point. But people saying, incidentally or accidentally catch footage of stuff all yeah. the time. They just have but their cameras if, out at the, like a Little League game. You know what I mean? And something happens, something crazy happens mm-hmm. off in the distance. I agree. And they catch it on camera. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to go? I think this is next point, too. Wouldn't you want to go to these isolated areas? Not if you're trying water. to observe human, uh, the human race and our behavior. All right. So I still say I welcome the aliens and their takeover. If you're listening or watching, yeah, me us too. I, we're at good. YouTube.com/slash/SackTownSports. Just send an invite. Why don't we just send an invite? Why don't we just like we are right now? This goes out into space, Nick. Like, why don't this we travels just, forever well, out into yeah, the I mean, ether? They're hearing us. If they're out there, they're hearing us. And like we a, welcome you. A governmental invite, like an official invite. Because I'm done with people. We welcome you. All right. Is this an all-in year for the Niners? Our answer is coming up. Paddles and Ronnie. Sacktown Sports.